It's been said that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. J. Arthur Rank, an English executive, discovered this firsthand when he decided to do all of his worrying on one day each week. He chose Wednesdays. When anything happened that gave him anxiety and annoyed his ulcer, he would write it down and put it in his worry box and forget about it until next Wednesday. The interesting thing was that on the following Wednesday when he opened his worry box, he found that most of the things that had disturbed him in the past six days were already settled. It would have been useless to have worried about them. Walter Kelly said that worry is wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. When I don't have anything to worry about, I begin to worry about that. And a woman who had lived long enough to have learned some important truths about life remarked once, I've had a lot of trouble, most of which never happened. (laughs) She'd worried about many things that had never occurred and had come to see the total futility of her anxieties. Yet it seems, folks, that no matter how much we find ourselves agreeing with these sentiments, we all find ourselves worrying or being anxious some of the time, in some cases a lot of the time, and in extreme cases all of the time. Now I assume none of us here today wants to live in that space, that none of us wants to stay in the zone of worry. Although I do think it is possible that sometimes we can become addicted to worrying, that we almost welcome it because it reminds us in a negative way that we're alive and that something matters. We may even be deluded into thinking that worrying is actually wise and a form of prudence. But friends, we must accept surely that we weren't meant to live in a worried or an anxious state or with a frame of mind that is constantly subject to or vulnerable uh, to worries. Have you ever come across someone who openly declared, I like worrying? You haven't met someone who said that to you. Does anybody really believe here today that worrying is pleasant, that worrying is good for us, uh, and that worrying actually achieves anything or is effective in helping us get through life? I wonder if that's true. I'm not going to do a survey, but I doubt it. Then the question remains, why do we do it? And is it possible to overcome it Can we ever stop becoming and being a worrier? Indeed, worry, why do we bother, is the question that we want to answer today. Those of you who were here last week would have picked up that we're in the middle of a series and last week we spoke about fear and asked whether it was our friend or our foe. Uh, Among the things that we discovered was that the Bible has a lot to say about fear, that it's mentioned 336 times, in fact, the word appears in the NIV translation. And the phrase that it most often appears with is, do not fear. It's as if there's an understanding that fear is a threat and an acknowledgement, but God is constantly speaking to people and challenging us not to stay in the space of fear, but instead 
to place faith and hope and trust in him. Worry, if you like, is a very close relative of fear. Fear can often cause us to worry. They go together. Sometimes we move back from one to the other and we can spend a lot of time in both of those spaces. And it shouldn't probably come as any surprise that the Bible and God's word as it is uh, speaks to us about both of those subjects. In fact, uh, one of Jesus' most famous teachings is on worry and we're going to look at that in a few moments' time. Uh, But uh, the challenge for us today is when we seek to follow Jesus, I never don't know if you've ever thought about this, you're committing yourself to walk down a path free of fear and worry. And many of us might think, well, yeah, I know who, I've heard of Jesus. He sounded like a nice guy. I said yes to him once, but I wasn't planning to give up my life of f- being fearful and being worried. I actually, it comforts me in a strange, sick sort of a way. I, I don't want to walk away from that. There may be others here today who say, Pastor, I am ready to dump fear and worry because it has, it has neutralised me, it has, it has captured me and I want to leave that space and that place behind. Well, I want to actually suggest to you today on the authority of God's word that it's possible to live a life free of fear and worry. And when some of you hear that, you're thinking, pastors, he's been taking pastor pills again. He's not well. Give him a drink of water. How could he say that? That's a dream. That's a joke. That's a myth. How can we do that? But I want to suggest that if God says, do not fear, you know, I'm working with something here. I'm figuring it's actually possible. If Jesus says, do not worry, about your life, again, I'm just going to spend a little bit of time in the possibility that it's possible. That because God said it, we can do it and actually we ought to do it and that we can move into that space. So I really want to speak to people here today who have never encountered or considered the possibility that they could live the majority of their lives free from fear and worry. That it's actually possible and that it can be done. In fact, in order to live as we are called to as God's people, we must overcome worry and anxiety. The Bible gives us some extremely insightful and critiquing uh, and a liberating critique of worry and anxiety. And I want to place a summary of some of the, some of the things it says about anxiety, about anxiousness and worry. And this is a a few observations from the scriptures that we could put up there. Firstly, anxiety results from disobeying God. Now, please, it's not saying all anxiety is the result of that. But if we know what we should do and we don't, whether we're conscious or uh, unconscious of that, then that's one source of anxiety. That God actually helps us, however, with our anxiety in the same way that our disobedience causes anxiety, God helps us with our disobedience. God frees us from sin. God deals with that and then deals with the anxiety that came with it. We experience a peace and a love and a joy that is like unlike any other when it comes to saying yes to Jesus. And finally, that we should banish anxiety. There's a, a quick summary of what the Bible says about anxiety. 
being anxious. Firstly, uh, we get this from Proverbs, being anxious is depressing. (laughs) Does anybody enjoy being anxious? Oh, what a wonderful day. I'm just going to descend into anxiety and make it a real peach of the next 24 hours. I don't know of anyone who likes being anxious. It's depressing. But right alongside that, there's also no point. That probably makes it depressing. It doesn't achieve anything. The Bible says that there's no harvest there whatsoever, but it points us to prayer as being an alternative to anxiety, to being anxious. It sets that up. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a few moments' time. And finally, worry. The scripture says that worrying about your needs and how you defend your faith doesn't help and isn't necessary, so don't do it and instead look to God and his provision. And this comes out of the teaching of Jesus throughout the New Testament. When we look a bit closer at some of the things that Scripture says about anxiety and worry, we discover that they are actually uplifting. So I I don't want to just stand here today and say, don't worry. (laughs) But I actually want to give you an alternative and, and present to you something from the Scriptures that is absolutely inspiring and encouraging. Those words do not pop up in quite a few areas. They appear most often with the word fear and with worry or anxiety. The Bible loves telling us do not fear or do not be anxious or do not worry. It's a a do not that is very stark, it's very comforting, it's very encouraging, but we're often given it as really a command. And I don't know whether you've ever considered the words do not fear and do not worry and do not be anxious as a command. Sometimes we just hear it, I think, when we read the scriptures, we think that sounds like good advice. Uh, You know, I do that when I think I need to or if I've got nothing else to do. But I think I'm just going to do a bit of worry. And I want to hone in here for those of you who call yourselves followers of Jesus, you're being given an order. And sometimes you perhaps don't like to hear that from the front, but in this area of worry and fear and anxiety, God is saying to us, don't do it. And there's a myriad of reasons, some that we've just listed for it. Firstly, it achieves nothing. Secondly, it, if you like, takes the place of prayer. (laughs) Shall I pray or shall I worry? It's amazing how often we choose the latter instead of saying, you know, instead of just spending a minute, an hour, a day, a month, this year, worrying about that thing, I might pray about it for a minute, a day, a month, a year, that thing. Instead of choosing to worry, saying, actually, I'm going to spend some time in prayer I'm going to engage in that space and that place. So we're being told not to worry. Thirdly, and this has been medically attested by many people independent of the scriptures, it's bad for us. It's bad for us. It releases chemicals into our body that aren't helpful. Uh, it, it, It stops us from, you know, doing good things like prayer. It, It really affects us. And can I say, and I'm going to have to stick my hand up, as a person who at times does a bit of worrying, 
I have a witness in the front row who will give evidence if required. You are a miserable person to be around when you're worried. Can I say that? Is that okay? I mean, I'm dubbing myself in here yet. Do you find me miserable when I'm worrying, Jude? You can answer if you want. <laughs> it's bad for us. It takes the place of prayer. It's, it uh, doesn't achieve anything. And quite frankly, we're, not, we're a bit miserable when we're worrying. So Paul, when writing to the Christians in Philippi, says, don't be anxious about anything. You know, <laughs> I hate it when he uses the word anything. Like, oh, but I, can, I should worry about. Oh, but don't worry about anything, but by petition and prayer, prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Go, take him to God. Pray, prayer and petition, why would he use those two words? We'll explain that in a little bit. But it's basically, if you like, prayer being an act of worship, petition being an act of request, and thanksgiving being an act of saying, Lord, thank you for what Thank you for listening. Thank you for what you've done in the past in response to prayer. Here I am again, not worrying, Lord, as as instructed, but instead presenting my petitions to God. So uh, Paul takes us through this place, into this place. And it's interesting because sometimes when we can read that scripture, I better show you the second part of it. No, it's not there. I'm going to show you that a little later. There it is. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So there's a command, but then it comes with a promise. That when you go to God in prayer, instead of staying in worry and in anxiety, when you present your request to God, then God offers this gift of peace and you're thinking, well, that's nice. Peace to me is the kids not waking me up at 6am. Peace is, you know, the neighbour not mowing at 8am. I mean, we've got these ideas of peace, but this peace is a peace that's beyond that understanding. That, that's beyond that description. It, 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 it guards our hearts and our minds in Jesus Christ. That last little phrase is really important. It serves a purpose Because worry, when allowed to fester, when allowed to persist and get in, can really do us a lot of damage. Really do us a lot of damage. Prayer, its alternative, has a ministry of protection from your mind and its thoughts and your heart and your feelings, which come out of that. Now, when we read this, we think, okay, that's some egghead, you know, wrote this scripture and... It sounds like a wise thing to say, don't worry. He's put a few words in there about prayer. Um, You know, um, good for him. What else is in there? When's this going to end? I'm worried about how long this sermon's going to take. What else you got? But as we delve a little bit deeper into the background uh, of this particular letter that's written by the church, most of us know it's written by the Apostle Paul. And... Uh, for those of you who know a little bit about his story, uh, when he came to the point where Jesus appeared to him, gave him a, a mission and said, you're going to go uh, basically to the world and proclaim me, his life took a turn. <laughs> his troubles started to multiply. And he was an amazing example of a guy whose life contained a lot of trouble. 
and not of, a, not of the type that might have been perceived but never happened, but was quite significant in terms of what he went through. Uh, at the time, from what we can understand, uh, he was uh, in jail uh, when he wrote this letter, and, uh, but here he is saying to people, don't worry. So if anyone could stand against the accusation of saying, well, you're just saying that, but your life's going fine, it's the Apostle Paul. He'd learnt the secret of not allowing anxiety to overcome him, to stop him praying, to stop him doing the will of God, to stop him living out his life as God called him to. And instead, he was able to say, don't stay in that space, don't be anxious, in fact, about anything, not just about some things, but instead pray about those things. And you can almost hear him saying from his experience, and you will experience a peace that is beyond understanding when you do what I just told you to do. When you switch from worry to prayer, you'll experience the presence of God in a way that's, that I can't tell you any more about. But he says one of the outcomes is you are protected in your mind and your heart, your thoughts and your feelings that at times can assault us because of worry and anxiety and fear. Instead, we're protected and filled with the belief and the understanding and the power and the knowledge that God is our God, that Jesus loves us and that we are safe and secure. As I was uh, preparing this message, uh, I came across a quote, and this is really cheesy, but I did it anyway. Um, If you want to overcome anxiety, prayer is the most direct route to a solution and the most effective response. It's cheesy because it's my quote. (laughs) I'm really glad you laughed because uh, you could have thought you're a goose. But anyway, um, that's again a response. I came up with it when I was working on the message and I've got another one that's like it, but look, again, just let those words hang there for a moment. For, for anyone who is suffering from worry and anxiety, especially the follower of Jesus, we must ask a question. What's your prayer life like? How much time are you spending in prayer? Uh, you know, have you prayed about these things? Now, I should say at this point that it is possible uh, to experience fear and anxiety in terms of panic attacks and those type of things that are beyond what we're talking about today. I want to acknowledge that. Sometimes it's simply a chemical imbalance that causes a, pe- a person to be uncontrollably anxious and fearful, and that needs some sort of treatment as well as prayer, medical treatment. So please let me acknowledge that today for anyone who has experienced those things. But when it comes to what we might call garden variety anxiety and fear uh, and worry, the question must always be, what's your prayer life like? What are you doing in terms of bringing these petitions and these requests before God? How are you going with that? And it's simply not going to cut it if the person who sit there and said, I'm really worried about this, if they can't then say in the next breath, yet I prayed about it, then the, the biblical picture for them has not yet been completed. They need to walk into that space. 
And you're thinking, so what does that mean? I have to get down on my knees and, you know, pray. Well, that's okay, but I'd go, the only way you're going to pray about everything is if you do it all the time. There goes that thought. Oh, it wants to go into, nope. Father God, bless that person and help them with their struggle. Before the worry starts, speak a word of life over that situation. In your heart, out of your mouth, however you feel you need to do it at that time. There you go. Nope. Lord Jesus, move in that situation. Release the power of life through your prayer into it before worrying and wasting another second or a minute in worry or fear and anxiety about it. Pray about it and speak over it. The other quote that I didn't get up on the screen that's also mine, goes something like this, I've got to remember it now. People who worry a lot overestimate their ability to do something about the situation and underestimate God's sovereignty or control of the situation. Okay, I'll say it again. Thanks, Cathy. People who worry excessively overestimate their ability to do something about the situation. So the point of that part of the quote is you're worrying, what do you think? You're worrying because you're going to be able to do something. You're in control of it. You're worrying because you're overthinking what you can do about it. Secondly, you're worrying because you're underestimating that God is overall that God is sovereign over not only your life but all lives and all situations. And when we step from one space into the other, that's when prayer comes alive because we believe that God's interested, we believe that God cares and we believe that God can and does want to do something about it and that in fact he has set the ministry of prayer over you and to you. When we spoke about the authority of God's word uh, a few weeks ago, I reminded you that the binding and the loosing power of prayer is here on earth. Jesus has given you a mission and a ministry to bind evil activity here on earth and to loose the power of God over situations. And I'm asking you again, church, and I'm going to say it again, have you done any binding or loosing lately? Because so often we can say I wasted a whole day in worry yesterday about this situation and I didn't utter one word in prayer to God about it. And according to the scriptures, that don't make any sense. And according to the Bible, don't do that anymore. But instead, pray about it and seek God over it. I've called these next few God's antidotes to worries as they take us towards the end of our service and this prayer ministry time. Firstly, I want to alert you to what I think is the greatest teaching ever on the subject of worry. And you might be a person that's concerned about your needs, what what you need in life, what you require to survive and prosper. And the scripture has an answer, if you like, for every one of these things that might cause us anxiety or worry. We say that God will meet those needs. This particular passage, this chapter, had a big effect on me as a young Christian. I said yes to Jesus just after I turned 17. I started work two months later 
uh, as a cadet journalist. And here I was starting out trying to learn what it meant to be a, a, a reporter and also a Christian at the same time. And I literally felt I don't quite know what to do. <laughs> like, what do I focus on? What, 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 what do I go for? And I, the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, chapter 33, became at that time my life verse, that I was to seek first the kingdom of God and uh, his righteousness, and that all the things that I needed for the living of life would be added to me. That I wasn't to make a mission and a ministry out of focusing on my needs and building up a wall of protection and, and piling up riches, but instead I was to go for the kingdom of God that I was to go for the Lord Jesus, that, that I was to outwork his will for my life and, and that God would add these things. And for those of you who know the passage, it comes at the end of a, a, a teaching that in the scriptures in the NIV Bible is simply called Do Not Worry. That's how they title it. Jesus starts it off by saying, therefore, based on uh, his teaching that he just did on prayer, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more and valuable than they are? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Is there anybody in their closing hours on this earth who has said, I wish I worried more? <laughs> you know, I would have had a much better life if I did. I wish I was more fearful and anxious about things. I don't know. But Jesus said, you can't, it doesn't achieve anything in your life and it doesn't recognise the fact that God values you that God cares for you, that, that God's given you breath and life and in case you haven't noticed the ecosystem we're a part of, its supply is contained within it. He knows what you need, the Lord says in a few moments' time. He understands what's going on in your life. He can see where you are. He knows what you tend to worry about and be fearful about and be anxious about and he is ready and willing and able to do something about it. He wants to step into that space, replace that anxiety and help you to see the provision that's coming your way that you've already received and that he wants to give to you. He wants to do that in your life. Jesus goes on. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. Do they not labour or spin? And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. God's challenging us in our faith that we need to step from worry and fear and anxiety, especially about the things that we need to live. So he wraps up by saying, so do not worry, saying what shall we eat and what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. That just means people that don't know the living God and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. If you struggle with memory verses, 
Just try that one. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. That's, that's six words. Just keep that one. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. What a promise. Therefore, do not worry again about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So when it comes to the area of provision, we can't hold that up to God and say, yes, but Lord, you know, you haven't said anything about this, so I'm going to worry about it. Because God's got a promise for that. It's all taken care of. Clothes, food, and anything else that you want to throw up to God. I remember when I was a young person, all this media attention on superannuation and build up your savings for retirement. And how that was a huge challenge to me when I was part of the ABC, age 38, in the super scheme from heaven. Could have retired on who knows what income for the rest of my life. And that scripture stood there in front of me and said, what are you going to choose, boy? Do you want to time serve till you're 60 and retire on who knows what sort of super? Or are you going to follow me as a pastor and believe that that's true? Well, I know which one I chose and which one I'm choosing again today. The temptation all the time. Oh, yes, but Lord, I think I'll need this, Lord. God knows what you need. I've got it in writing. I've seen it outwork itself in my life. It's the same promise for you. It hasn't got my name on it. So you can trust him in that matter. Are you worried about what people think of you? So whether it's needs or maybe it's Wealth, fame, there's the second one. Are you worried about what people think of you? God says he loves you and thinks well of you. Now, not all of you may have recognised Ephesians 1.3 as being a verse that speaks into that, so I'll refer to it briefly. Praise to be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Now, often when we see the word blessed and blessing... (laughs) Typical Westerners, we are, we think of material things. (laughs) We think of something we've got. God's blessed me with this water. Now that's true, that's okay, but the blessing that's talked about in this place is a blessing of speech. So when we say bless you, it actually has spiritual content. When you say hello to someone, you think, Well, that's really boring, but the Bible actually commands you to do it. When you say hello to someone, you acknowledge that they exist. It's a blessing. You're you're acknowledging that they're alive. It's worth doing. Get to know people's names and hi, Jude. Every time we've known each other for how many years now, Jude? Every time we get up, hi, love, hi, Jude. I mean... You'd think we don't have to do that anymore after 27 years of marriage, but we should and we must. We acknowledge the presence of the other. In this place, the word that's translated blessed is the Greek word, and I do not know how to pronounce it, is philia here, eulogio, it's sort of spelt like that. If you can speak Greek, come and talk to me afterwards and help me. Eulogio, what English word comes from that Greek word? Eulogy. So to eulogise someone is to talk about all of the good things that they have done in life. On Wednesday when 
Joan Ratz has her farewell service, she will be eulogised. And oh, what a eulogy it's going to be as we talk about her journey from farm girl to city girl and her life and her faith in Jesus Christ. God has eulogised you in heaven, according to this scripture. God is speaking well of you in heaven right now. God is saying, see my son, look at my daughter. They believe in Jesus. They love me. They are gathered now in a meeting that's being held in the name of Jesus for my honour. Look at them, worship me. So friends, you might be wearing a lot of criticism at the moment. You might be uh, experiencing perhaps hatred or, or disappointment of various different descriptions. But don't descend into anxiety and to worry about that opinion of yourself. Instead, accept the eulogy that God speaks over you now. Receive that blessing. Because God, God looks at who he's made. He sees who he's created. And he says, I am well pleased with my child. He knows you've made mistakes. He understands you've made errors. God gets all of that. He knows our weaknesses. He knows what we need. He knows what we struggle with. Yet he speaks well of us and, and pronounces blessings over us. That's why we should bless each other, the Bible tells us. We should speak well of each other. If you've got a word of, of criticism or, or disappointment, Check that word. File that thought. And instead, speak a blessing over someone. Release the power of good over their life with your words. Lift them up and build them up. And just say, hey, it's great to see you. I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you come. So that's what we say. But that's that antidote. Finally, are you anxious about the chance of things going wrong? There's another one that gets to us. God says he works all things together for the good of those who love him. Romans 8.28, there it is. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. God is able to even bring good out of evil in your life. God is able to even overcome at times our mistakes. It's not that our actions don't have a consequence, but God in his miraculousness, in his wisdom, in his unbelievable ability to oversee the events of our life and our world, is able to work it together for the good. Joseph is uh, uh, thrown into slavery by his brothers, cast off to another land, forgotten about in jail after being falsely accused of rape. His life is literally in the toilet at age 30. And yet God is taking him closer through to his destiny through things that looked like they were going from bad to worse in his life. And as we open ourselves up in prayer and move from worry to petition with God, he is able to do the same for us. He's able to reveal to us how he is working through his life. You're tempted to say, how on earth did I get here? A better question is, Lord, what am I doing here? What are you calling me to do at this moment? What is, what is my next response? 
Not to be worried and anxious and fearful about what happened to get you there, but instead to pray and believe and be thankful for where you are and say, where to from here, Lord? What is the next good act of obedience I can do today, having found my situation in this place at the moment? That's a better response based on the authority of God's word. That's a good way of responding. Okay, I'm going to flick through these and then we're going to pray. Winning the victory over anxiety, it needs the right kind of praying. Firstly, we pray about everything. I've talked a little bit about that already. Nothing's off limits in prayer. Did you know this? You thought, oh, I was supposed to, I thought I was supposed to pray for everyone's salvation and then quit. Well, that's a good place to start. But nothing's off limits in prayer. I encourage you, the smallest things... The littlest thing. I didn't know I could talk to God about this or that. My son, my daughter, this person, that situation. I didn't think he was interested in my job. I didn't. Come on. Just get it up the prayer chain. Get it into the prayer space. Speak it out and say, Lord, would you help with this? He will reveal himself in ways that you'll be staggered by. You think, I prayed about that two days ago. And it goes on. He wants to reveal himself to you, wants to show himself to you. Pray about everything. Secondly, we pray by prayer and petition. What's the difference? Prayer in this case is a form of worship. We pray by saying, Lord, you're good. Lord, you're God. Lord, you're, you're over everything. Lord, you hear me when I pray. I thank God often in my prayers. I say, Lord, thank you for hearing me when I pray. It's not to give him a reminder. It's just to say, Lord, what I'm about to do, I acknowledge has power because of you. You listen to my prayers. Thank you. Thank you. And then I present my petition. And finally, we pray with thanksgiving. Never forget to say thank you. Write down your prayers. Revisit your prayers so that when they get answered, you can say, Lord, I brought this to you and you moved in that situation. Thank you. Nothing builds your faith and casts out worry quicker than an attitude of thanksgiving. And not just, oh Lord, thanks. I mean, that's good, but it's good to acknowledge him as well. We finish with that promise, the fortress I call it, where we guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. This achieves two things, guarding the heart, which is susceptible to wrong feeling, and guarding the mind, which is susceptible to wrong thinking. There's a purpose in not worrying and praying instead. It's that. It's to protect us. It's to build us up because that's the life God's got in store for you. You may be sitting there thinking, I can't stop worrying. (laughs) I'm fearful about these things. But you may have never brought those things to the Lord in prayer. Maybe you did it once, it was very quick and you just trashed that and you went back to worry and fear. God is inviting you today to step into the prayer chamber, to step into the place of prayer and to bring those things to him to leave a life of fear and worry and to be in a place of peace and protection as your hearts and your minds experience the peace That's beyond all understanding. Would you like to pray right now? 
Let's pray right now. Let's close our eyes. You know the thing. You know the thing or the things that are worrying you. You, you, They come straight to your mind. Maybe there's a number of them, but there's maybe one that stands out. Father God, I thank you for all of the people that you've gathered into this place this morning, all of the people that are going to listen to this message online, all of the people who are in prayer right now, Lord. And Father, I know that for some of them, worry is an issue right now. Fear is a significant factor in their life. It's something they're struggling with, but you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, want to speak to that worry and that fear right now. And Lord, I just sense by your Holy Spirit, you're now stepping into that place and you're saying to them, give me your fears and your worries, child. Give me your fears and your worries. Picture yourself handing them over to God, literally giving them to him. Maybe they're in a bag. Maybe they're in a a basket or, or something that you carry around, let it go, says the Lord. Get, leave it, give it to me. I want you to hand it over to me. God is saying to you now, you've got to release it. You've got to let it go. Just, just place it in the Father's hands. Picture yourself, let it go. Lord Jesus, I'm giving it over to you now. That fear, that worry, I'm not going to hang on to it anymore. I don't want to clutch this bag anymore, Lord, because you told me to do it and I trust you. I'm giving you my bag of fear now. I'm giving you my bag of worry, Lord. Take it. I don't want to carry it anymore. Instead, Lord, I'm picking up now your gift of peace. It's beautiful. It's gift-wrapped and I'm clutching on to peace now. I'm clutching on to trust and to faith. I'm believing that you love me and you speak well of me. I'm believing that you'll meet all of my needs. I'm believing that you can help me overcome all trouble, all things that go wrong in my life. I believe you are over and above them, working through them for good. Just as we stay in this state of prayer now, I want you to continue to keep your eyes closed and I want to offer an opportunity here today to anyone who has not yet said yes to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. You might have heard this message today, you might have believed that yes, God is my, he's the one that's going to rule over my life. And I want to say yes to him today. I want to be a follower of him and I want to follow his plan for my life and I want to stop worrying. If that's you and you want to say yes to Jesus now, you want to become a Christian, then you raise your hand and we're going to pray for you in just a moment. While all eyes are closed and heads are bowed, please. If you want to say yes to Jesus, you want to respond to him, You raise your hand and we'll pray for you in a few moments' time. Just want to allow a few more minutes for that, a few more moments. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. 
You can put that down now. I see that hand halfway up. Thank you. That's great. Anyone else would like to do that? You can raise your hand. We're going to pray. Okay. Let's pray. We're going to pray along with uh, the person who raised their hand. We're going to pray uh, for him and with him. So let's all just speak out this prayer together as we make this prayer of commitment to following after Jesus. Let's say all this together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for my sins. I thank you for loving me and for caring for me. I accept now that you have saved me. Come into my life. Fill my heart with your spirit and help me to live a life of prayer and peace. I receive your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Fantastic. That's great news. Why don't I give that young fellow a round of applause, folks? And uh, we're going to have a time now. I just invite you to stand to your feet. Don't have a lot of time, but I think it'd be good for us to just express something back to God uh, as we close our service. Our team's going to lead us in uh, a time of worship. I'm going to ask our prayer ministry team to come forward because I have a feeling there's people here today that have struggled with uh, fear, anxiety and worry and they're seeing an opportunity today uh, to receive prayer about that. Uh, So if that's you, I invite you to come forward. Our prayer ministry team is now going to be on this side and on that side. So wherever you find yourself in the church this morning, 